0: It's my opportunity now to, to ask the the reverend to come over. Andrew, crazy, crazy, crazy. We uh, we heard from Caleb, I think, two weeks, and then Cav cracked out a cracker sermon last week around prayer and scripture. And this is going to be the next, you know, the next installment, if you like, with 12 hours notice. So I know that there's something deeply within uh, this man that is going to come out this morning. So... Buckle up, strap up. I'm talking to you, Anthony. Get ready for a great word from uh, Andrew Mm. as we continue our series. I believe it's called Inside Out. Inside Out. How good is that? Correct. And uh, thank you for stepping up at very short notice. You're a a man of God. You're a man of character. and You're a man of the spirit who walks with the spirit on a daily basis. So let's give him a round of applause and I'll get off. Thanks. Cool. Thank you very much, Pete. Um, yeah..
1: Oh. Um, if, if I'd known I was going to be preaching two weeks in a row, I would probably would have structured last week differently. Um, but no, it's, and it's amazing what can happen in one week. Um, last week, I touched on my new job. Um, my new job is now my old job. Um, so in one week the job that I had that I talked about last week is finished Um, We mutual agreement it was like "Oh, this isn't going to work and I go no this isn't going to work so it was really good to be able to just go great and you sit there and go here's a 62 year old bloke who's just been laid off on the job that he's got and he's calm people ask how are you? And I think they're expecting me to go, oh, no. I'm stressing out to the max. It's like, no, it's really, really good. Um, Came home middle of the day on Wednesday, which was a bit weird. Um, And uh, sent off a couple of, you know, sent off a couple of job applications I'm now, I think I'm up to 104 now. Um, But what my two-week job clarified for me is what I'm actually looking for. You'd think I would have worked it out by now, but I'm a slow learner. Um, What I'm looking for in terms of the, the type of role and also the structure of the role. So it just made it really, really easy to go, these are the sort of jobs I want to apply for. So really good. And I've got an interview for one of those on Monday. So just, well, that was quick. So applied Wednesday, interview Monday. You see, okay, God, what have you got in store this time? The issue is, I've had peace through the whole thing. Why? Because I've got peace inside. This is not a calm exterior. This is not me being a duck. You know what I mean by being a duck? No, gliding across the water gracefully and peacefully, but underneath. And unfortunately for about, I reckon, 90% of us, that's how we live our life. We live our life like ducks. I'm calm. I have the peace of God, brother. It's like, nah, I'm calm because I'm calm. Because I know that God's got me. I know that he has a plan and a purpose for me. So I could stress about it. But if you're stressing about the fact that God's got your back... I'm not too sure what you're looking for in terms of support. No. How have I responded to things? Life as normal. It's not like, oh, okay, I need to get myself in a state of calmness. So let's make sure I'm just playing quiet relaxing music and doing things that are going to calm me down no life is normal why because it's from the inside out it's not from the outside in the world's approach to crisis is from the outside in if you're upset if, if your life is chaotic create that space of calm around you so that you can be calm No, being still and knowing that God is in charge means that you've got to do things around you to demonstrate that he's in charge rather than to know that you know, that you know, that you know that he's in charge and letting that manifest in how you do things. We try and fix our circumstances rather than our heart. So, this is really weird, because normally I would have like 15 sheets of paper here with all my notes on them. But uh, my notes for today were an A5 notebook with stuff scribbled on them, so my beautiful wife could bash out some slides this morning while I had a shower. Prayer allows us to live our lives from the inside out. That state of calmness only comes from having a relationship, an intimate relationship with God. And having that intimate relationship with God only comes by spending time with him. And that's really the simplest practical definition of prayer that I can give you. Prayer is not verbalising our needs to God. Prayer is spending time with God, having that two-way discussion that I talked about last week. That allows intimacy to grow. Like any relationship, the more you talk, the more you grow in that relationship. You don't talk, the relationship stagnates. Pretty simple. So prayer is the key to it all if we want to impact the lives of the people in our communities we must have within us that life of Christ we wish to share does that make sense go through that again if we want to have an impact on the people around us we've got to give away to them what's on our inside we have got to demonstrate to them what's on our inside if what's on our inside inside is bitterness jealousy competition anger frustration etc whether we like it or not that's what's going to come out that's what's going to be shared with the community that we're part of that we're trying to impact for Christ this is a radical approach to evangelism It's evangelism based on being little Jesuses. Or being like Christ in our community. Not going out ramming the gospel down people's throats. I had a, yesterday, weird day yesterday, I spent about eight hours down at the cricket club. We were hosting a grand final. Um, it was a good game of cricket. There were some absolutely spectacular catches taken. Um, seriously, um, some of the batsmen were incredibly stiff. One guy's just chipped the ball, and the ball has just gone. He was the tallest guy on the side. Nobody else on the side would have reached it. He just stuck his hand up, and it stuck. And you just sit there. and the guy's just walked off, shaking his head. And you sit there and go, Yep. That was stiff. Another one, full-length dive catch. Phenomenal. The side that won uh, were the second-place side, the top side, who'd lost, I think, one game for the season, got beaten. Um, but it was... No, I was there. Our club president was down helping me out because I was manning the canteen. Um, and he goes... So, how's church been going for you since you came back from COVID? I'm sitting there going. This is from the guy who keeps referring to the robes that I wear when I'm at church. After five years, he's finally got ahead. I don't wear robes at church. And then he goes, so what are the core tenets of your faith? What are your core tenets? I'm saying, have you been reading, Jesse? What's going on? And so I just—we had a conversation about how things have been since this year. It wasn't, well, let me give you our, you know, twelve key points of our doctrine, Jesse, and then I'll pray for you for enlightenment. No, it's the guy that I've spent several years now just building a relationship with, and him just getting comfortable to ask me weird questions like that. And he is a very weird dude, <laughs> redhead, so, big red beard and he's an ice hockey goalkeeper, which probably explains, I don't know which that leads to, whether the, being a goalkeeper leads to the behaviour or the behaviour leads to being a goalkeeper, I haven't quite worked that out yet, but it just you sit there and just go, was I doing anything out of the ordinary? No. We was, I was just letting what's inside out. Sharing that with him. The alternative to letting the inside out is we try to fake it till we make it. This would have to be number one in my pet hates. The whole fake it till you make it. It's like, Really? you don't think people are perceptive enough to realise that's what you're doing. But of course, as Christians, we don't say, fake it till you make it. We go, we're just living out of faith. It's like, no, you're not. You're faking it till you make it. Be honest with yourself and then maybe start being honest with other people as well. Because Labelling something as faith when inside you know it's an absolute untruth in terms of your belief system is not faith. Doesn't matter how you dress it up. You can't fake it till you make it. You're not going to grow in faith simply because you keep talking the language of faith. God gets at this, not at this. He doesn't get at our exterior so that our interior will change. He gets at our interior so our exterior changes. The way we relate to other people. What did Jesus say in, I mean, there's three chapters from John 15 to John 18, I think it is, or 13 to 15, middle of John. I take, I take encouragement from the verse in, in Hebrews where the writer of Hebrews says, somewhere in scripture it says. And I figure if a, guy, if a person who wrote a book in the Bible can get away with saying it's in there somewhere, then I can get away with it as well. But in, in the middle of John... Jesus makes it really clear on multiple occasions that the distinctive mark of his followers is what? Their love for one another. You can't fake that. You can't fake love for other people. It comes from a change in your heart and a genuine love, compassion and appreciation of others even when they are different, even when they are a little weird. Heck, this church has put up with me for over 30 years and I know I'm a little weird. Genuine change comes from inside. Let's have a look at a passage in Luke. I was going to say, hang on, wasn't there verse 9? Really want to spend a little bit of time unpacking this because it's really easy to jump straight into the parable and miss who the parable was addressed to. and and Luke Luke does this quite a lot Uh, and he's about the only gospel writer that does where he talks about who Jesus is speaking the parables to important to understand that because that affects the point that he's making so this one to some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else Jesus told this parable You want the really simple version of that? The Reader's Digest condensed version? To the Pharisees, Jesus told this parable. That's who he was really talking to. Why? Because they were confident in their own righteousness. They thought that if they had the external stuff sorted out, everything was going to be okay Jesus addresses this elsewhere in Luke. Where now no, have this is probably number two on my list of of, of pet peeves. You know, people saying things like, Jesus was always nice and kind to people. Tell that to the Pharisees. Read what Jesus says to the to the Pharisees, particularly in the Gospel of Luke. And he slaps them continually into next week. It's the only way I can describe it. He calls them a brood of vipers. That was a pretty serious insult back in those days. He calls them whitewashed tombs, all pretty on the outside, but basically dead inside. Now, there's, a, there's, a, there's a section, I think it's in about Luke 17, I might have been just before this, where he goes through what's called the seven woes. He goes, Woes to you, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees. And essentially you can summarize what he says there as you focus on the external stuff and you've missed all the internal stuff. Now, one of them is now, you tithe on the minutest herbs in your garden. That you should have done, so he doesn't dismiss tithing, despite how some people like to present that little statement. That you should have done, but you've done it at the expense of mercy and compassion. You've missed the point. The whole tithing system was so that mercy and compassion had some finances behind it. So Jesus in this parable here goes on. And he goes, two men went up to the temple to pray. One, a Pharisee. The other, a tax collector. No? I can imagine when Jesus is is telling this parable, Matthew, one of his disciples who was a tax collector, is sitting there going, here we go again. Another parable about a tax collector, one a Pharisee, the other tax collector, the holier than thou spiritual elite of ancient Jewish, Jewish society and the scum of the earth, the ones who had sold their soul for a dollar. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people. Robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I don't know, was he wearing a tax collector's collective t-shirt or something when he was in there? But obviously they knew he was a tax collector. The Pharisee knew he was a tax collector. I'm not like him. Isn't that good? I fast twice a week, and I give a tenth of all I get. What a righteous dude. What a holy man. He's doing all the right things. But the tax collector, you want to do a really, really challenging study in the Bible to inform your prayer life? For those of you that heard my message last week, Do a study on the word but. So I cannot lie. No, sorry. (laughs) There's some big buts in the Bible. Anyway. I'll stop now. I can say this, Pastor Caleb's not here. The tax, but the tax collector. So he's presented the Pharisee in all his righteousness. But the tax collector. The tax collector stood at a distance. Look back. The Pharisee stood by himself. The tax collector stood at a distance. They were both individuals but one was by himself, the other one was only physically distanced. There's a difference between standing by yourself and standing at a distance. Standing by yourself is a declaration that I need nobody else standing at a distance is a recognition that i'm not worthy to associate with others so you see the state of mind of the the two people involved he would not even look up to heaven no the pharisee had no hesitation in Almost addressing God as an equal. The tax collector would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. See, the tax collector recognised what was inside, the Pharisee focused on what was outside. That's the same for us. It's not just what God wants for us to transform the inside and let it flow out. It's what those in our community are yearning for. If I could come up with one word to define the last few years, that word would be chaos. What as Christians have we got going on inside us? Is it chaos, or is there a peace there that allows us to navigate that chaos? Is there? A, is it a peace that we can then pass on to others? Have I missed a slide. No. We can't give away what we don't have. We can't pass on to others what we haven't got. We have to. If we want to share what's inside us, we've got to actually have something inside us that we can share. So we can't give away what we don't have, but I would also argue that we can't but help pass on what we're overflowing with. So if you're overflowing with love, if you're overflowing with peace, with love, with joy, with the other fruit of the Spirit that Pete mentioned before, if we're overflowing with those things, we can't but help pass that on to the people around us, not because we're trying, white knuckled, striving with every ounce of our will to be patient. Think about that. I'm trying really, really hard to be patient
0: now. Now,
1: it doesn't quite work that way. But if we're overflowing with love, patience, kindness, gentleness, meekness, all of that stuff, it's just going to flow out of our behaviour because they are all outworkings workings of love. That's why that verse says the fruit of the Spirit is love. I'm a grammar Nazi sometimes. Fruit of the Spirit is love. Not the fruit of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, etc. Fruit of the Spirit is love. The rest of that list is all outworkings of love. Joy, peace. They all come from love and knowing you are loved and being so full of that understanding of how much God loves you that it just drips out. It's a package deal, the fruit of the Spirit. I touched last week on SOAP, the daily Bible reading program that's up on um, the church website. Uh, it's, the, it's the program I use to give me something to read each day so that I stick at it. It gives me a bit of structure. Um, this morning's was Psalm 84. No, it's good because you know, God, God knew <laughs> that I'd be preaching this morning. It took a while for us. Psalm 84. How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My What? My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Everything in this psalm starts with a heart cry for God. The psalmist then goes on and says, Blessed, or if you want to sound really holy, blessed sorry it looks like blessed for me blessed are those who dwell in your house they are ever praising you blessed are those whose strength is in you we sang earlier be still and I'm I'm, I'm treading on very thin ice here because Pastor Caleb still wants to preach on stillness next week Blessed are those whose strength is in you. The psalm where it talks about, be still and know that I am God. That word still literally means let your arms hang limp by your side. It's not about being quiet. It's not even really about being calm. It's about acknowledging that your strength isn't enough. So, stop thrashing around, trying to do things that are beyond your capability, and just leave it to God to do. Being still and knowing that He is God. Stop trying to fix it yourself. Allow Him to fix this instead. And that requires being honest with yourself about what's going on in your heart. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. So, verse 5, blessed are those whose strength is in you. Verse 7, they go from strength to strength. because They're recognising their strength is not their strength, it's his strength. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God. I don't know how many times I have said that, holding the door open at the front of church. It's one of my go-to verses. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. I wouldn't want to live in a tent anyway. The Lord Almighty, blessed is the one who trusts in you so there are two key concepts but we need to get out of here out of our heads out of our knowledge of god and into our understanding of god and that is that he unconditionally loves us and as a result of that we can unconditionally trust him And that's why the writer of Proverbs can say things like, trust in the Lord, don't lean on your own understanding, don't try and work it out yourself. Don't try and fix your life. Be honest with yourself about what needs fixing and allow God to fix it. This is a journey for every one of us i'm not saying you can pray one prayer and you'll you'll get it it's a journey as god continues to demonstrate his love for us and our trust in him grows we can trust him more and things like peace and love etc all continue to grow in our lives it's not a switch you can flick on and off to an incremental day by day growing in our relationship with him so what does allowing god to work on us from the inside out mean and how does what is within us, what is really within us, no, those bits of you that you really don't want other people to find out about, that's a sort of embarrassing. The way you trust him, the way... You understand his love for you and therefore your ability to love others. John in his writings in his letters says we can love others because Christ first loved us. We don't get that Christ loves us, that God loves us. Our loving of others is going to be external, it's going to be superficial. So how does what's within us, this is a challenge for me as much as it is for anyone else. How much does that impact the way that I interact with the community that I'm part of? How much of what's inside me is overflowing on others, whether I like it or not? Are they seeing my stress and my anxiety and my paranoia, or are they seeing peace and calmness and the love of God? I'd love you to think about that during this week. Pull yourself up when you're interacting with others. oh, hang on, what was coming out then? Think about how often you try and control the externals, which I think has got to be the ultimate exercise in futility at the moment. As he says, looking at a front row that is completely empty because of uncontrollable externalities. whether it's wrenched necks or COVID or gastro or whatever. And I think if that's the lesson that God's trying to bring out of everything that's been going on for the last few years. You're sending me emails this time of day. So I encourage you all, spend some time, meditate. On what's in your heart recognize what's there and allow God to start doing some work on it please don't try and fix it yourself it's not the point it comes from acknowledging that we trust God and we can trust God because we know that he loves us thank you Did you have anything you would like to add?
0: Fantastic. Sure. You know, um, not, not bad for twelve hours' notice. Not bad for twelve hours' notice. You know, uh, yeah. Inside out. It's a great. You know, it's a, it's a great challenge. And uh, um, I, I think you know, for my life group, you know, we are you know talking around some of the stuff that comes up. And uh, uh, this is a great opportunity uh, this week. If you're not in a life group. Uh, please let us know if you would like to be in one but um, uh, this is a great opportunity to talk through some of the stuff that does come up um, during the week in your life groups and uh, uh, so we really just thank you for coming this morning. Um, you now don't let the conversation finish here but carry it on with uh, those that you're connected with and doing life with uh, during the week. And um, uh, if you need prayer or want prayer, by all means, uh, we're here. We have a prayer team. Um, you know that are uh, happy to pray for you this morning. Uh, other than that, we uh, will officially close uh, the the meeting off this morning. Thank you very much. Don't rush away. Please stay for a coffee and uh, tea. I think there's some uh, some some light refreshments as well that's on offer in the cafe. Um, and let's just see what God does as you recognise where there's anything but the fruit of the Spirit uh, coming up, that we can arrest it, grab it, and uh, replace it with uh, the Spirit and uh, live out of that, you know, uniqueness of, of what it is to live and walk in the Spirit. So thank you, uh, Andrew, uh, Caleb. I know you're watching at home. We, we pray that uh, you, the Tanners, and all the others that are uh, fighting external things uh recover really really quickly and to those online we really just encourage you to uh keep making a comment or make a comment so we know you're there and and keep the conversation going uh during the week so for now we'll officially uh close the meeting thank you don't rush off um for now and uh god bless have a good week and we'll see you and caleb god willing next week